This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Scat. Scat, guaranteed to jack you up. Under the outdoor with the steamboats, ancient goblins and wild lows. Come at the grand line making a sound. The smell of death is on the rail. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's a schoolyard horror week on Pod Cemetery. Or is it an Elijah Wood week on Pod Cemetery? <laughs> With 1998's The Faculty and 2014's Cooties. But before we talk about the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Horror trivia. Give me what you got. Name four horror movies that feature a mad doctor or surgeon. Okay. Reanimator. Correct. Oh, God. What's the 60s one about the eyes? It's French. What's the movie called? <laughs> if, you, if I tell you, you lose. What? Yeah. I give you clues all the time. I, I See, I keep thinking of the Antonio Banderas one, which is also true, but now I can't think of either one of those names because they're conflating in my brain. And now that's all my brain can think of. Under the Skin? Is that what it's called? That is a different movie that we have not seen. Uh, Frankenstein. Good job. That's what, three? It's only two. Human Centipede. Yes. I need three. Four. Four? Uh, the fly. He's a doctor in that, right? Yes. Okay. All right, what do they have there? The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Ooh, yeah, uh-huh. Eyes Without a Face. That's the one. Reanimator. Reanimator, I said, yeah. And the Human Centipede. Oh, okay, cool. All right, Kelsey. According to Elijah Wood's Casey in The Faculty... When is the only time someone should run? When you're being chased. Yeah. And then immediately he runs. <laughs> Not being chased, but he feels like it. Yes. That moves us right into our first movie, 1998's The Faculty, which, by the way, don't want to go without saying, uh, Jeffrey recommended these two movies to us, and they do go well together. They're schoolyard horrors, and they both have Elijah Wood. So thank you very much, Jeffrey, for the recommendation. Yes, thank you, Jeffrey. The Faculty was directed by Robert Rodriguez, based on a story by David Wechter and Bruce Kimmel, with a screenplay by... Kevin Williamson. So this is kind of a heavy hitter of, of creators. Of course, it was, this is probably the most mainstream thing Robert Rodriguez had done at the time in 98. This was done by Robert Rodriguez? Yes. Doesn't have his flair. Well, like I say, this is like his first sort of mainstream one. It's sort of like uh, What's-His-Face did Mimic, you know, where it's like, well, this isn't really like their normal style that we get to know because it's their first major movie that they didn't make independently. So it's very by what the producers want Their Their style is not really showing through. This is more a Kevin Williamson movie, I think than it is a Robert Rodriguez one. Okay. Yeah. 
I would agree. Kevin Williamson was brought on after the original script was written by the Weinsteins to rewrite the script. Punch it up, add characters, make it funnier. And starring Jordana Mia Toretto Brewster, because she's family. She's Dom's sister in all the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh. (laughs) Clea, Ghosts of Mars Duval. Laura, wasn't she in It, Harris? (laughs) She was. She was in the original TV It. Josh Lucky Number Slevin Hartnett, Sean Outside Providence Hatosi, Salma Santanico Pandemonium Hayek, Famka Xenia Anatop Jansen, Piper, they're all gonna laugh at you, Lori. Christopher, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast, McDonald. BB, Dr. Lilith Crane, New Earth, Robert T1000, Patrick, Usher, Usher, Raymond, John, you ever see the back of a $20 bill on weed? Stuart, Elijah, why am I the lowest build main character? Wood. <laughs> what is the faculty about? <laughs> An alien comes to Earth and tries to take over the planet from a small town in the United States, but is thwarted by meddling teenagers. <laughs> Wouldn't have gone away with it, too. <laughs> uh, this movie also, you should probably know, has a cameo by Harry Knowles, who... Founded Ain't It Cool News uh, and is involved in the film scene in Texas, in Austin. Uh, He is currently persona non grata for several accusations of sexual assault. So fun. Uh, This is also Usher's film debut. And it's Hartnett's only second major motion picture behind H2O, which was that same year. The movie is available with subscriptions to Paramount Plus and DirecTV. You can rent it for $4 on The Usual Suspects and buy it for $14 on the same, except for Voodoo and Redbox, which are $15 for some reason. Should people watch The Faculty, Kelsey? Yes. Of course Kelsey's going to tell you yes. Love this movie. Love it. Love Josh Hartnett. I haven't seen this movie in a very long time, so I might have a little bit more unbiased opinion about it, but it still did come out when I was in high school, so it, like, you know, it evokes an era that is very nostalgic for me. So there is that. There's some bias there, too. But yeah, you should watch The Faculty. It's one of the better, like, late 90s horror movies, and there were a bunch, and... It's very simple, but it's lots of fun. Yeah, it's lots of fun. And uh, an expansive and entertaining cast. Oh, yeah. I would say. Great cast. I mean, you heard all those names that I mentioned, and they're all from something and somewhere. So you can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 1998's The Faculty. So aliens have just been setting us up over the years with their E.T. and their Men in Black movies just so that nobody would believe it if it really happened. These students are starting to suspect their teachers are from another planet. Sit down! They're asking me. Guess what? Now we're gonna have some fun. They're right. Aliens are taking over the school. But we can stop it. The faculty. This is weird. Written it off in theaters everywhere Friday, December 20th. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does the faculty begin? A football kind of montage played to the offspring. Yes. I had the soundtrack to this. Uh Uh-huh, I can see it right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it wasn't the greatest soundtrack, but I definitely owned it. It was very late 90s. Very late 90s. T-1000 playing a football coach with, of course, Sean Hattesey being the star quarterback. Uh-huh. I say, Which is weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I say, of course, because he's not that type of actor. I don't know, though. Our most athletic, popular, like, jock in my high school was actually a wide receiver. He was a star baseball player and went on to play for for UCLA. But our quarterback was actually a lot smaller. Of course, because quarterbacks tend to be. They tend to be like the skinny white guys. And... Yeah, he was a lot smaller, and he went on to play in the NFL, too. So sometimes your quarterbacks are the smaller dudes. I guess. But it's also Usher is there, and Usher is not a great actor. No, he's there because he's Usher. Yes, he's certainly there because he is Usher. So, but the T-1000 is their football coach, and he's a dick. Yep. When the football players go heading in for the showers... He's left alone on the field, and he's trying to fix this water, and a, sh- a shadow comes up on him. And he goes, yeah? What? So he doesn't yell at them, so we, pro- we know it's probably not one of the football players. Yeah, it's probably not somebody he knows, which mm-hmm. was my takeaway from this. Yes. And then we cut to a staff meeting that night, where... Everyone is being told that there's no funding for anything except for football. Yeah, BB New Earth. And you know what? It's the reality of of football, especially in football towns, where it's like, oh, but I bet the football team's going to get all new pads. And she's like, yeah, they are. Have you seen the stadium on Friday nights? They rake in a lot of money, which pays for that. Like, if your plays can start raking in that many attendees, then you could get that much money, too. Mm -hmm. And it's a bummer for the arts and things like that that we should be actively supporting, but don't bring in a lot of money. Mm -hmm. They all leave for the night, except for the principal. She's stuck there. and uh, Well, as they're leaving, there's a, a fun comment that is just for the drama kids out there. Oh, totally. She says, oh, you know, the kids really had their hearts on doing, what is it, Hello Dolly? Something like that, yeah. And she goes, well, I guess you'll just have to use the set from our town. Oh, Miss Drake, the drama club had their hearts set on guys and dolls this year. Well, maybe if they use last year's set from our town. And the joke is that our town doesn't have a set. Yes. That is a joke just for the drama kids out there. (laughs) The principal is, like, looking for her keys or whatever, and the coach shows up. And she thinks there's sexual harassment going on, but the truth is that he wants to kill her. Or convert her. Yes, turn her into one of them. Because he has been turned into an alien at this point. So he is asking for a pencil, and she gives him one, and he ends up stabbing it through her hand. Yeah. So she ends up doing something to him. She oh, runs, keys. She slashes his face. Yeah. She runs away, but drops her keys, and then when she tries to get them, uh, Piper Laurie is there, who was uh-huh. the theater teacher who was saying she wanted the set. She has already been converted and holds her, or, or slashes her with, like, scissors or something. Yeah. Which we don't know that. There's this whole really tense moment of that they're trying to get her out, 
uh, and she needs to go back for her keys, and Piper Laurie's really worried, and then when she finally gets out and ends up locking Robert Patrick inside, then we're like, oh, good, and then it turns out Piper Laurie's been converted. What benefit they have with fucking with her like that, I don't know. So the next day at school, we get this ridiculous intro shot to Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Dreamy Josh Hartnett. Oh my god. Every time he's on the screen, guys, it's just... (sighs) (laughs) He's a pretty man. Yeah. And we are introduced to all of our main kids. We've got Casey. We've got Stokely. Delilah. And Stan. And Stan and Delilah are together and Delilah... Does not care about Stan at all. She's just with him because he's the head football player and she's the head cheerleader. She's just the worst, which is why, like, the ending doesn't even feel good. (laughs) Casey gets beat up on. Yes. And Stokely is hated because she looks different and Uh she pretends to be a lesbian so that people will leave her alone. Which is fucked. (laughs) We also meet Mary Beth, the new girl, and, of course, Josh Hartnett, who is playing Zeke, and he sells really shitty fake IDs uh-huh. uh, to the guy from that 70s show. And some homemade speed. Yes, which is basically just caffeine. Well, caffeine pills are the, uh, plus other things. Yes. Yeah. But here is where he says, guaranteed to jack you up. And this is the only time we hear that line until the end when it's said by Casey. And you're like, uh-huh. wait a minute. He was, he was there. Was he? He was in the stall. Oh, right. Nursing you're his right. bloody nose. Yes. By the way, in that scene, there's Tito and Tarantula on the wall. That's a reference to... A band that Robert Rodriguez uses a lot. It's the demon band that we met in From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, I was going to say, that yeah. sounds really familiar. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, when you say this is Robert Rodriguez, I'm like, but he had already done... From Dust Till Dawn. From Dust Till Dawn, and then he did this? Yeah, he did From Dust Till Dawn, like, just before, like, two years prior, yeah. Very different. Uh-huh. We are introduced to more of the staff, such as Selma Hayek, which it makes way more sense that she's in this now that I know uh-huh. that it's a Robert Rodriguez <laughs> film. She plays a nurse in this uh-huh. who is very, very sick all the time. And, they're say, and they say, why don't you just take some time off? And she's like, I'm saving my sick days for when I feel good. So real. Very real. Very real. <laughs> John Stewart tries to ask her out and she very much brushes him off. And he's like, why don't you just stick a pen in my eye? And you Which, you know when you hear it, it's like, oh, that's going to be a callback later. Yeah, that's how he's going to be hurt Dispatched, later. But not yeah. killed. He's the only one at the very end when we get like this montage of who played whom. He's the only one that gets a, oh, here's now, here's what's going on with him after the fact. Everyone else is like a shot from earlier on in the movie. <laughs> it's weird, but he does survive. Yes. We see both the drama teacher, played by Carrie's mom, and... Piper Laurie, yeah. And the coach are drinking lots and lots of water. Yep. John Stewart wonders, where's the principal? And we're, I think we're supposed to wonder if she's dead, but she's not. No. Because they comments like, oh man, what if she's dead? Yes. But she's not. No. So then cut to... What's her name? Famka? Famka Jansen? Her class, she plays an English teacher, this very quiet, mousy She's teacher. totally unbelievable as this timid thing. 
But everyone in her class is silent, and I'm just like, yeah, fucking right. Uh huh. And Zeke is this genius senior. Uh huh. But he refuses to apply himself and makes jokes about sex uh-huh. and stuff. This is how it's okay, by the way, that he talks about sex with teachers because he's, he's an adult. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which makes it okay for him to sleep with her at the end of the uh, Yeah, film. at the end when they're together, it's like, mm, he's still a student. Yeah, still a student. <laughs> Weird. But so Sean Hattesey has decided he's going to quit the football team because he wants to apply himself, which does not make sense because if he wants to apply himself, why not wait until he gets the scholarship for college? Yeah, and then apply himself in college. Yes, because it's way too late now. Right. In his high school record. Yeah. Get, get the football scholarship and then work hard in college. I've always thought it was pretty messed up the way we deal with all that stuff. Like, oh, you haven't applied? You're freshman year like it's just we expect people in high school to know exactly what they're going to be doing with their lives and that's fucked (laughs) (laughs) but so he tells his girlfriend and she's just like uh i'm not gonna date you if you do that and he's like oh don't be superficial and she's like wow what a big word like she's such a bitch four syllable word no she is awful and to casey who's like the guy we like the most. You know, I mean, yeah, we like Josh Hartnett because he's fun and he's hot. But, like, <laughs> he's also a dick, too. You know what I mean? Like, But he's very smart. Yes. Inexplicably. <laughs> but Casey, Elijah Wood, is, like, the one that we just... He's supposed to be the main character, he, for we sure. We absolutely like... There's, like, nothing you don't like about him. Right. I would say in Cooties, they managed to do the thing where it's, like... Kind of nobody's likable in that movie, almost. But you still think they're good people. Like, you sure, don't want anything but, bad to happen to but them. But Elijah Wood's pretty pathetic in that. Right. He's a nerd and he gets picked on in this one, but he's not as pathetic. Right. And so, like, you he's really... He's got a hero inside of him. Yeah. But I say this because Jordana Brewster is a dick to him, too. Because he's the photographer for the newspaper and she's the editor. And it's like... Man, you're going to make her we got a we got a, a quarterback who wants to quit football so he can apply himself and figure out what he really wants to do with his life and you're a dick to him. And we have our main character who's really likable and you're a dick to him. And it's like, are we supposed to not like you? Well, but then we're supposed to get this backstory about like how her dad died and her mom's an alcoholic and there's reasons for why she is the way that she is. But it doesn't make her likable all of a sudden. Right. But even Casey sees good things in her. Yeah, he he tells her at one point, you know, you can be pretty cool sometimes. When this not is not one bitch. of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I exposed Mr. Tate's alcoholism last year. Nobody cares. Well, his wife certainly didn't when she ran off at the babysitter. God, you can be such a what? Pretty cool human being, and you're not being a first class grade A bitch. So, yeah, and then in history class with their alcoholic history teacher, uh, Sean Hattesey tells him, we're in chapter five, and the teacher's like, whatever. Yeah. Yep, sounds about right. (laughs) So, Mary Beth tries to make friends with Stokely, because Stokely doesn't have any friends either, and she even says, I'm feeling pretty alien myself today. Mm -hmm. What are you reading? Double star, Robert Heinlein. One of those science fiction people? Y'all believe in 
alternate universes and alien beings and stuff. I feel pretty alien myself today. I'm Aaron Beth Louise Hutchinson of Atlanta. I'm new here. And who picks on the two of them? Jordana Brewster again. Yes. It's like, Jesus. Yeah, she makes fun of Stokely for being a lesbian. Which, man. Yes. She mm-hmm. is severely unlikable. Yes. But meanwhile, Casey finds a husk of a creature out on the field. Kind of where the coach got attacked the day yes. before. Mm-hmm. And the coach even finds him there, and Casey runs away. Yeah, th- there's where that... I don't think a person should run unless he's being chased line is. Seen you around. You're not really into sports. I don't think a person should run unless he's being chased. Being chased. I like that. Get out of here. Also, we haven't mentioned that, like, Sean Hattesey and Stokely keep running into each other. And... They run into each other again here, and I love Stokely's response. Get a fucking eye dog. <laughs> <laughs> the first time is like, walk much or whatever it is that she says. And he's like, you ran into me. <laughs> <laughs> but then in science class, Mary Beth again tries to be friends with Stokely. But that's when Casey runs in with the creature. Yes, and this is a, it's a trope dating back years and years and years, even in, it's basically the teacher from Gremlins. They're a high school science teacher, so they must be scientific fucking geniuses. Yes, and he just happens to have a big tank full of water. With nothing in it. Ready for a creature. Yeah. But yes, and he's very, very smart, as is Zeke. Yes. Zeke even pushes him out of the way to look at the thing in the microscope. Uh It's very teen empowering. Sure, yeah. Like uh when you're a teen, this feels good. These are capable kids, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Usher is also in the class Uh (laughs) for his very few minutes of screen time. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of screen time. No. I wrote down, oh my God, could he be more hot? (laughs) Every time he's on screen. What about when he has glasses on later? great yeah it's great i gotta say jordana brewster with glasses and a ponytail looks pretty good yes but that's an indication that it's not her anymore (laughs) but when they put it in water what happens it like sort of evolves a little bit and then it splits it multiplies and it bites john stewart on the finger and the question is when did it get teeth yeah it's funny too because it's it's a cgi creature in the tank not only does it look painfully CG, but also you can tell that none of the kids are looking at the same spot in the tank. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at it, so I wasn't paying attention to them. <laughs> I was like, hmm, it's not there. So what are they looking at? So then we see Sean Hattesey telling the coach that he's quitting the team and he's expecting the coach to yell at him. The coach who, by the way, is now in the pool. pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so he expects him to yell at him, and he's just like, hey, I'm not going to get in the way of the human condition. Uh-huh. So he's like, all right, cool. So he goes into the locker room where Usher and his friend are hit- picking on Casey, and Sean Hattesey stops them from hurting Casey. Uh-huh. And Casey says, it must really blow being you. And Sean Hattesey says, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. 
And then he goes into the shower where Mrs. Brune comes in. Mrs. Brune, what the fuck? <laughs> Just walking through the shower while he's naked. Yes. And then, like, freaking out, like, having an episode of some sort. And Takes off her clothes. And, and it's like... I don't even think she's she's not fully naked at this point, but she pushes up against him and he is naked because he's in the shower. She's trying to get in the water. Yeah. And and he like puts his hand on her head and then pulls away her hair and part of her scalp. And he's like, oh, God. Yes. And she tells him they're everywhere. Yeah. So he runs out of there. Tells Casey to get help. Oh, Yes. And they tell him that, like, she had cancer. Yes, and they were hoping she could make it through the school year, but apparently not. Mm-hmm. And when they're telling him this, Casey looks out the window and sees that the coach is just standing in the middle of the sprinklers. Yes. Uh-huh. Drenching himself. Meanwhile, Zeke is conducting his illegal businesses. Uh-huh. And the, t- the English teacher shows up and tries to tell him, tries to motivate him to do uh-huh. something with himself. And he's a dick to her. Offers her strawberry-flavored condoms. And she says, so rude. And uh-huh. then she walks away and he feels guilty. Slightly. Slightly. Meanwhile, Delilah and Casey go into the teacher's staff room to try and find something to put into their newspaper. Yeah. And this is when they have that conversation about, you can be great if you're not being a bitch. Mm-hmm. Are you hitting on me, Casey? No. No, I, I just think you can be cool. Sometimes. This not being one of them. But then, while in there, teachers come in, so they run into the to a closet. Uh-huh. And what do they see? They see Mrs. Brune, right? Her body? Well, yeah, they find the dead Mrs. Brune, but also... They see uh, the two of them, Piper Laurie and Robert Patrick, attacking Salma Hayek. And they're like, oh my god, right? And so when they're freaking out, that's when the body of Miss Brune falls down. And they end up running away, and they get separated. And we Brummel. don't- Brummel. is her name. Mm. Brummel, yeah. Well, we don't see what happens to Delilah, but we see what happens to Casey. Yeah, he tries to get away. He falls down, and Delilah leaves him. And it's like, what is she really going to do? But it's just another signifier that she fucking sucks. Yes. And he ends up running into- the principal, and trying to explain what's going on, and that's when, you know, it's like, no, 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 she was just having a seizure. That's what all of her medication is for. Well, they realize that she's in on it, too. And so he goes and tells his parents. Yeah. And stupidly thinks that they will they won't have covered it up by the time they get back. Right. It's so dumb. There's a body, you know, like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They've had tons of time to fix the situation. And he starts sure. he starts figuring it out really quickly because they offer to make a call to who is it that they're gonna call? Oh, to the nurse. Yeah. And so the principal takes one of the police officers into the office and he's like, Oh shit, he's going in alone. And then there's some shuffling in the office. And then he comes out and says, oh, this is just a kid looking for attention. We don't need to be here anymore. And then he's got like the stoic look on his face. And Casey's like, fuck. That got to him. Uh-huh. And he's trying to impress upon his parents that he doesn't need to go to a psychiatrist. But that's the only way 
he can get all three of them out of there because now the principal wants to talk to one of his parents alone. Yes. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'll go to a therapist. Let's just get out of here. Yes. And then he tries to go out the window that night and the faculty is there, but then his dad comes out and then they're not there. It's yeah, there's no weird. explanation for how they accomplish that. Yeah. There is a reason why they would be watching him, though. Yes. And trying to intimidate him. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a weird shot. So... It ends on a shot of his mother closing the windows, like, with the with a silhouette, and it almost seems like his mom's been taken over, but she hasn't. She hasn't, yeah. It's weird. Mm-hmm. So that was a weird decision. But so the next day, Delilah is suddenly wearing a ponytail and glasses, and remember, we haven't seen what happened to her. Yeah. She claims she's incognito, which makes zero makes sense. Makes no sense, Yeah. She claims multiple times that that's why she's like that. Yes. What about you? You haven't been without your contacts or hairspray since birth? I'm incognito. But they end up going to get Stan, and it's great, because she's like, I'm going to go get Stan. Stan? Why Stan? (laughs) Because it's my boyfriend? Uh Uh-huh. But so, he is in class with Stokely, and he tells Stokely that he quit the team, and she's like, why? You're so good. And he's like, I didn't know you followed the games. And that's when, oh, she has a thing for him. Mm-hmm. And he tells her a story of how he got a D on a test, but then the, the teacher turned it into an A, and that really bugged him. Oh, yeah, because he felt he deserved it with an arm like that, or whatever. I think that was John Stewart, actually. Yes, That is what he said. But I don't know. It's weird. I would never do that. But I don't come from a football town. Yeah. uh So meanwhile, Mary Beth and Zeke have met. And Zeke is very interested in her because she's so different and so unique and pure. Uh Uh-huh. So he's really into that. And he offers her his drugs. But she says that she is allergic to aspirin, which then later, suddenly, she's not. Which should be a good indicator that she's a liar. Right. Well, she she claims that she is, and there will be a scenario where they need her to take it, and she claims she can't because she's allergic, and they force her to anyway, and she doesn't have a reaction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But nobody seems to notice that. Because other things happen. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the faculty is ex- giving an ear exam to all the students Uh and suddenly it's like why does that require the police you know like Uh things are very strange and those kids show up at zeke's car wanting all of his stash and he's he's very cautious and like this is weird and chooses not to give them all of his say he's out when he's really not Mm -hmm. so casey goes to talk to Stokely, because Stokely loves sci-fi. Uh-huh. He's like, Stokely, what if I told you that aliens were taking over the school? And she would, and she, they have a really fun conversation about uh-huh. pod people, and how it's a rip-off of the puppet masters. Yeah, with th- talking about how Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a rip-off of the puppet master, and, uh, but in that one, there weren't any pods. They were parasites. Yes. Which makes way more sense. Mm-hmm. And he is telling her, you know, what if this is real? And she's just like, I, this, this can't be real. It's science fiction. And he's just like, yeah, we always get hung up on the science part, which has nothing to do with it. Uh-huh. 
It's a fun little conversation. And the librarian keeps holding up the quiet please sign, and it's fun. So, Zeke decides to impress Mary Beth by taking her on a run where he steals his supplies from the science supply room. And, oh my god, he pulls her in for a kiss. And the look he gives her, and the way he pulls her in with his hand... Very attractive man. Uh-huh. He knows how to handle a woman. I'll just point out that you sexualize him more than I have sexualized any woman on this show. He sexualizes himself. <laughs> just by his existing? He yes. can't help that he's hot, Kelsey. <laughs> okay. So, they overhear Casey trying to convince... I guess it's all of them at this point. Yeah, so the four of them, it's Casey, it's Stokely, it's... Sean Hattesey and his girlfriend. And his girlfriend, yeah. Uh, They're all in the actual science room looking for that thing, and it's suddenly gone. Because that's his explanation, that what it must be, and they're arguing over it, and yes, they, they, in the supply room, they overhear it, and so they burst in. He, He pretends that he has stomach pains to play a prank on them. And now we have all six of our main characters together in one room, and this is where, like, the real inciting incident happens. Yes. And it is, it is Jon Stewart. Yeah, he comes in, and when they ask him where the creature is, he claims he already took it to the college. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Uh, okay, we gotta get out of here, and he stops them, and he doesn't let them leave. Yes. And for some reason in... A, a high school science lab, they have one of those paper cutters, which you would never have that out where students could touch it. Right. But I love this shot where he rips it <sighs> he off. He just rips it off. and I, oh, I think of so that cool. every time I use one. Yep. And I use them a lot. <laughs> yeah, he attacks him. And what does, I think it's Casey, right? Who does it? Or is it, or is it Zeke? I, one of the guys... Stabs him in the eye with the pen that that that's holding the drugs, and then I don't know if it's Casey or someone else slices his fingers off. And then there are all these tentacles that are coming out of it, and then the fingers are running around on their own. But the scat, the drug that Zeke has created, uh-huh. ends up drying him out. Yeah, he starts foaming at the eye, and then. Passing out. Yeah, but it doesn't kill him, I guess. Well, don't they, like, cut his head off or something here? No. No. It's just that his fingers are crawling all over the place. I could have sworn he kept hacking at him or something. But we know he survives. Yes. And then we get a little bit of weird pacing here, just for a moment. It, like, it should be fast. It should be, okay, we gotta go, right? But, like, Sean Hattesey stops, and he's just like, aliens are taking over the fucking school. And, like, they kind of, like, slow down as uh-huh. they're going through the school. Like, I don't know. It felt Well, they weird. have to sneak out without raising a scene. I guess. Because they know that everyone's being infected now. Right. And they pass the office where the principal and the nurse are giving these ear exams. I do enjoy when they get outside, when people are, like, whispering their names as Uh they're walking by. That is a fun sequence. Oh, I think we skipped the scene where his teacher confronts him again. Or is that later? 
that's out with those guys who wanted the rest of the stash. Yeah. That's in that that moment where Suddenly, Bonka Jansen shows up and she's all, all sudden, hot and yeah. has all this confidence and, you know, is cursing at this kid and pushing him. And this is these are there's a lot of signs that tell Zeke that weird shit is happening. Yeah. And one of the things that you'll notice here is that what seems to happen is that that they still know everything that they used to know. They just start being the way that they kind of always wanted to be. Like they're darker, evil, or more basic. But side. not always, because despite the fact that he is a predator, Robert Patrick is nicer now. Body snatchers, humans became emotionless. They completely lost their identities. The coach had emotion. I mean, he's usually a real hard ass, but he, he was different somehow. His behavior was slightly odd. Yes. And there's like a couple that were always fighting that are suddenly really happy and blissful. Yeah, it's like they behave the way that. They want to, you know, they wanted to, they could be the things that they, that they never were before. But also with murderous intent. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also with the desire to take over the world. Right, right, right. Exactly. I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I'm <laughs> saying that like it lowers their inhibitions and inhibitions exist for a reason. Yes. But so they go back to Zeke's own personal laboratory where he... I forget how they have the specimen again, but they have the specimen, and they allow it. Oh, was it, it one of John Stewart's fingers or something? Oh, maybe something like that. And yeah, they, they allow have it a specimen to take over the mouse. Yeah, they end up killing the mouse and opening Dissecting him up. It. Yeah, and they—that's how they learned that the diuretic kills it. Yeah, and Stokely explains that in theory, if we kill the leader. It should kill that one and save all the rest of them. Yeah. But how to find out who the leader is. And this is when it kind of becomes the thing. Yes. I mean, it already was the thing with Jon Stewart's fingers running around um, and not knowing who to trust. But that's, that's, I mean, I would say it's a trope at this point of these sorts of horror movies. Like, you know, it it's, is Invasion also, of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, it's it is very much an others. homage to those stories. Very much so. But this explicitly is the thing where they all now have to take a test to make sure that none of them are infected. Yes. And they all are pointing out how they're all acting very differently uh -huh. than they normally would. So how do I know it isn't you? Right. Yeah. And Casey's the first one to take it and he starts getting loopy like right away. Well, also, I'd like to point out, do you notice who's the one that's saying that everyone's suspicious and saying that we all can't trust each other? It's Delilah. Yeah. And that doesn't make a lot of We're sense. We're going to find out at the end of the scene that she's infected. So wouldn't Delilah want to stay in the shadows and not cause people to think suspiciously? Yeah. It's weird. But if there is some kind of hive mind thing going on here... It might be sacrificial in nature. Maybe. But not really, because she wants... She says not until after she goes. Oh, that's a good point. Huh. Yeah, it's a little bit of an inconsistency. I mean, that's the problem with a lot of movies like this, is when there's a secret or there's a twist reveal later on, you then have to go back through the story and see if any of those actions made any sense. And sometimes they just don't make sense with that twist in mind. I really like some of the lines here. It's very funny. I love Sean Hattesey. I'm not an alien. I'm discontent. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, there's another big word. <laughs> I mean, he's usually a real hard ass, but he, he was different somehow. 
His behavior was slightly odd. Like a star quarterback who mysteriously quits the football team? What are you doing, Delilah? I'm just pointing out your slightly odd behavior, Stan. You've been acting really weird the last couple of days. I'm not an alien. I'm discontent. There's another big word. And I love what he tells him to do it. He's like, nah, man, I don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but he does it anyway. They all fight each other over it. and Yeah, and when he- We also find out that Zeke has a gun. And when he tells Casey to do it, he's like, why do I have to go first? He goes, it's your fucking birthright, man. Just take it. Uh-huh. And yeah, I love Casey's response. You're taking it. Like, <laughs> he does a really good job of acting like a person who's never done drugs before. Uh-huh. And that's when Sean Hattesey throws the gun on him. He's like, hey, mm-hmm. this guy's acting weird. And I love Josh Hartnett. He's tweaking, man. Let him fucking tweak. <laughs> And I love Stokely's line. I'm not taking that. It's so 80s. (laughs) (laughs) But they do all take it in quotes. And this is where we find out that Delilah is infected. I love, yeah, when they're trying to get Delilah to take it, Sean Hattesey has already done it. So he's like starting to laugh. And he's like, this is so much fun, man. See, sometimes she can be a real fucking bitch. (laughs) It's like, Casey, yeah, right? They high five. Uh-huh. And then when when the two girls go to do it, Casey goes, showdown. <laughs> it's so fun. I love this scene. I love this movie. Uh-huh. And that's when Delilah doesn't do it. And we see all this stuff in her face. And she goes, we're everywhere. And then she runs away. Yeah. She ends up, th- like, destroying his lab so we can't make any more yeah they end up wasting some bullets because stokely's kind of excited for an excuse to shoot delilah meanwhile it's friday night and it's a football you know what team that means. football game and how are they infecting each other uh so the football team is now all infected because of the coach and because of the ear exams and they're infecting the other team by every time they knock them down, they act like they're saying something to them, but they're really infecting them through the ear. And that is so fucking clever. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're they're going to jump from one ecosystem to another. They're going to get from one school to another school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's everyone in the stands. Meanwhile, uh, We Don't Need No Education is playing. Yeah, it's a cover version of The Wall. But it's a fun montage. Sure. But I... Mm. There's also a thing in the in the stands where they're saying, kill, kill, kill with a sign. And there's an L that's upside down, yep. And then in the next shot, it's fixed. Uh-huh. So they all go to the school, and they end up getting the principal, and they've tied her down, and it's fun, he... Casey runs up to her, sniff this. And she refuses to do it. And he's like, sniff this or he shoots you. And Zeke ends up shooting her with no proof. Is it Zeke that does it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because he's just sick of this shit. And when Casey's like, oh, my God, did we make a mistake? Because she's like, nothing's happening. She's just dead. The blood starts pooling and everything. And then she gets up. Yeah, she just stands right back up. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. And so they end up attacking her. 
And Mary Beth takes this excuse to throw a whole lot of yeah, their stash on her. Basically the entire stash onto her, assuming she's the leader. Yeah. Which we know she's not, because mm-hmm. she was infected by Robert Patrick. The audience knows this for a fact. Yeah, so at the, the kids very don't least, know this. at the very least, Robert Patrick is the leader. At the very least. But we he know was that's infected by somebody else, too. Yeah, he was infected by somebody else. And so it should be by this time that if you haven't already figured out, you know who the queen is. It's Mary Beth. And you might be thinking, well, she must have taken the drugs. She did. But that should also be signing off some red flags. Why didn't she have an allergic reaction? If she's supposed to be allergic to it. After they end up killing the principal, Sean Hattesey decides to sacrifice himself to go out and see if everyone is okay. And as he's running out the door... Stokely grabs him and kisses him and says, I just don't want to have never done that. Yeah. And what does he find? He finds the football team, right? Standing Standing in in the the rain. rain? Yeah. With all their shit coming out of their faces. Uh, All the tentacles and everything again. So the next shot is him back at the the gymnasium. Uh Uh-huh. Asking to be let in, saying they're after him. And Stokely is like, I don't know about this. Casey says don't let him in. So does Zeke. But then Sean Hattesey tries to, like, sweet talk his way in. And it almost works. But Stokely doesn't do it because he almost... Casey has one vial left. Has one pen left of the... Yeah. Of the drug. And so... Zeke takes over and he tosses it under under the door and says, take this. If you don't take this, you're not coming in. And he picks it up, and then he turns it upside down and empties it on the floor. Mm-hmm. And smiles, and they're like, fuck, he's infected. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's very sad. It is sad. Stokely is very sad. So right now, the only people that, as far as anyone knows, aren't infected are Stokely, Mary Beth, Zeke, and... Casey. Casey. And I don't remember why Casey leaves. Casey and Zeke both leave Mary Zeke Beth and Stokely get, alone. Zeke goes to get more of his stash, but I don't know why Casey goes out there. And Casey ends up in a bus with, of all people, Delilah, yeah. who is basically throwing herself at him saying, you can be with me. Uh-huh. Just like Sean Hattesey said to Stokely, yeah. you can be with me if we're like this together. She's explaining, you know, I haven't been this happy since my dad died, et cetera, et cetera. And we already know they've established he can run. He ends up getting out of there and running away. Yes. Meanwhile, Stokely and Mary Beth are alone in the gym. And this is where Mary Beth reveals that she's the queen and tries to kill Stokely. And first she has like a philosophical conversation Uh with her and she's like, you know, Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it's a good thing. And Stokely is like, yeah, but it's not them. It's not right. them anymore. It's not really them. It's the it's the same sort of thing like in Invasion of the Body Snatchers when Leonard Nimoy has that same conversation. Mm-hmm. It ends up being that Mary Beth comes after her and Stokely tries to get away but does not. Yes. And so they're all going to get kind of separated here. We'll also see Mary Beth naked. Mary Beth, why are you naked? (laughs) Ask me something, Mary Beth. Why are you naked? Because Zeke will come in and find Stokely hiding. I leave for five minutes and everyone's a fucking alien. Yeah. 
and Mary Beth accuses Stokely of being an alien. Stokely accuses Mary Beth of being an alien. And it's but one Mary of those Beth showdown moments. Exactly. And so Zeke is like, oh, obviously Mary Beth, she's an alien. But Stokely ends up attacking him, too. She's already been turned. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so then Zeke ends up meeting up with Casey. Yeah. And they put Stokely in a cage in the in the supply closet or so in the supply room. Yes, the locker room where all the football supplies are. So she's kind of a non-issue. And then Zeke gets tossed around the room by this giant bug that Mary Beth has become. Why she wouldn't just turn him? Yeah, she just knocks him out. He goes flying over the lockers, and so now it's just Casey and Mary Beth. And they're running around, and they go into back into the gym again. She has another philosophical conversation with him, mm-hmm. and he explains, I'd rather be afraid. You know, in my world, Casey, there were limitless oceans as far as the eye could see. Beautiful home till it started to dry up. So I escaped. Came here. I met you. All of you. All of you were different from the others. Thanks, pal. You were lost and lonely, just like me. And I thought that maybe I could give you a taste of my world. A world without anger, without fear, without attitude. Where the underachiever goes home at night to parents who care. The jock can be smart, the ugly duckling beautiful, and the class wuss doesn't have to live in terror. And the new girl, well, the new girl, she can just fit right in with people who are just like her. You see, Casey, even Mary Beth's feelings can be hurt by a bunch of pathetic, lost little outcasts who truly believe that their disaffected, lonely life is the only way they can survive. I can make you a part of something so special, Casey. So perfect. So fearless. Don't you want that, Casey? I'd rather be afraid. Right, yeah, she's like, you don't have to be afraid anymore or anything, you know. So he's running away from her. And then this is also really fucking clever, not just on Casey's part where he's like, I can get her to chase me under the bleachers, but hit the button to where they retract and she'll get pinned in and hopefully I can get out in time. And that's exactly what he tries to do. But what I really like about it is it's the sort of like high school urban legend, UL. (laughs) And lore of the retracting bleachers and somebody getting caught in there. It's kind of a universal thing at any school that has retractable bleachers. And, like, using that as an element in this movie I thought was really clever. I don't believe that they could force against something that large. Right. I don't think they would have They'd that kind of power. Moving. yeah. Uh-huh. But it's cool. Especially if they were made now. But again, this is 1998. But it ends up pinning it against the wall Right as it's about to reach him. Oh, and it, like, gets, it spits all these bugs at him. Yes. Since it's stuck. And then they crawl into his skin and he's starting to change. But he has the, more of the drug that Zeke gave to him. Guaranteed to jack, jack you up. And he stabs it right in the eye. Just like John Stewart. Yes. And it fizzles and all of that and dies. And then all the all the little slug things just come falling out of his face where they had previously crawled in, giving the indication that, yes, this hive mind is controlled by a queen. And when she dies, they all die and that you can then live through it. This entire movie 
Zeke is the only one that's not contaminated. Because he was tossed over the lockers. But even Casey got infected right at the end there. But he had already, you know, stabbed her. So they all died. Really liked it. Yeah. And so then we get this too neat ending. I don't mind it. Oh, we didn't talk about the fact that when when Zeke was getting his stash, he was attacked by Fonka Jansen. And she gets her head cut off. Yes. And then she she, her head's walking around like a spider, just like out of the thing. Well, more like a octopus but yes. yeah and it ends up reattaching so that's why at the end they get to be together because how, she's healed but she's wearing yeah. a scarf around her neck yeah how did her uh <laughs> because she was neck- already healed because they guess. can heal so it was already healed by the time she was then unpossessed which doesn't explain though why john stewart has an eye patch now right but yes we get this two neat ending where everyone's paired off Zeke and Fomka Jansen and Casey and Jordana Brewster and Hattesey and Chloe. They're all paired off in, in neat little couples now. And, I don't mind it. And Casey is super famous for saving his high school and his town and the world. I love it. And and now he's all, oh, just his old hat being interviewed. Who are they, national or local? And Both. Yeah. And but now Delilah has like her arm thrown over him and it's like, oh, they're all just happy couples now. And it's just way too neat. I don't mind it. Of an ending. And then we get the credits where it's, yeah, it's a montage of them, the actors from scenes in the movie, except for Jon Stewart, who has his hand bandaged up and an eye patch on. It's the only one that's a follow up on what happened to them. And that's the end of the movie. I love it. I know you do. (laughs) I like it. I will say I really do. I like it a lot. I think it is one of the better teen horror movies from the late 90s. So much fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. It just, every once in a while, it'll slow down and you're like, what's, why? Yeah. But then it gets, it gets good again. So And it's certainly well. not without its flaws. No. But yeah, I like it a lot. With that in mind, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I'm sure it's low. I would guess like a 63 Try 52. The consensus simply reads, quote, rip off of other sci-fi thrillers, end quote. Not an homage. And I'm thinking rip off is an ugly word for homage. Like they specifically call out the movies that they're referencing. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to pass it off as their own ideas or anything like that. Nope. It's absolutely like, no, we are talking like they call out Invasion of the Body Snatchers and all these other movies and stories where, yeah, we're doing the thing that you know, but in a new setting, Mm -hmm. in a new style. That's what's important about this. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they just call it a ripoff is harsh, Ty. Way harsh. (laughs) A Metacritic of 61, but a cinema score of a B. Good. Yeah. What would you give it? I'm going to give it a 98. Holy fuck. I could never give it a 98. Ever. Justify it that it's more than just nostalgia. I could watch this movie over and over again. It is so much fun. The characters are all stereotypes, and I don't care. They have, uh, you know, exactly what their arc is going to be, and I don't care. They are all just very attractive. Well, most of them are attractive, uh, and I don't care. And it's a very simple story. But it's a fun, it's a fun teenage version of, of the thing. And it came out at the perfect time for me. And I love Josh Hartnett. What do you want? 
I will just say that that puts it at the number four movie out of all the movies we've seen. This is number four. Only three movies surpass it. Interview with the Vampire, Poltergeist, and Rosemary's Baby. I'm not telling you to change it. I'm just letting this sink in to the, the listeners and to you just how highly you regard this film. That's more than Silence of the Lambs, Seven, Aliens, Terminator 2. But this is not... I am not giving this a really high score because I think it is an incredible film, a piece of art. Uh, I'm not giving right. this a really high po- like credits because, like, it's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. Right. This is... It's a personal score. Pure joy. Yeah, uh-huh. I watch this and I'm happy. And that doesn't happen very often. It's fair. This movie makes me very, very happy. This will absolutely show up on an end of the year list and not because I disliked it. I mean, I'm going to give this an 82, which I feel is reasonable and actually maybe a little bit high. <laughs> but it's still going to show up on our end of year list of biggest differences between Kelsey Fine, and I. I will give No, 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 no. I do not want you to change it. I'm just, it's just remarkable to me. I, I think it's interesting because especially since normally I'm the one that gives higher scores to movies. So if you have not seen The Faculty, you should see it. And for those of you that have seen The Faculty... Like, I think maybe you'll understand just why I think there is a very particular class of film horror movie watcher. Like, I would put you in this category. I would put, like, Chickapedia in this category. Like, I imagine that she loves this movie. I hope Jeffrey loves this movie. I wonder <laughs> why else he would recommend it. I really, really like this movie. I, I think it's give good. It... Give it a 98. That's fine. You're making me feel like I shouldn't own it. I love it. I would make a big deal out of any movie I give 100 to. I really, really love it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and keep in mind, Kelsey's only given out one 100 the entire life of this podcast. Uh, that, I think that's cool. I think that's cool. I mean, she did say that that she could watch it any time and she could talk about it without even having seen it recently, just like Interview with a Vampire, mm-hmm. which is the next movie up on your list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Wow, that's exciting. All right. Before we move on to our next movie, Kelsey, horror trivia. Name two horror movies starring Jamie Lee Curtis. The Fog and Halloween. Very good. What do they have there? Halloween and Prom Night. Prom Night. And Terror Train and just a bunch of others. Halloween 2. Yeah, uh it's true. H2O, the one after that, that sucks. All right, Kelsey. In Cooties from 2014, what is the title of the Christine ripoff about a man's obsession with an evil boat that Elijah Wood's Clint is writing? Shit. Um, I don't remember what it's called. It's called Kill Them All. Oh, damn. (laughs) I think that's really fucking clever, especially since it feels like Christine. And then the first time he tells... Anybody about it, they're like, oh, you mean like Christine? (laughs) And brief reminder, Kelsey and I fucking love Christine. Yes, we do. (laughs) We love Christine. (laughs) And of course, keel them all. The keel is the part of the boat at the bottom, that little fin kind of at the bottom that streamlines it in the water and keeps it from tipping one way or the other. It's also a reference to keel hauling, 
which is when you would strap somebody to the keel of the ship and sail along and basically kill them, but sometimes just maim them as they're banging up against the, the keel and getting scratched up from all the, all the barnacles. If they weren't dead, they were just terribly maimed. That's what keel hauling is. And that's a, that's a reference to keel them all. It's so good. <laughs> All right, with that in mind, that brings us right to 2014's Cooties, directed by Jonathan Malott and Carrie Murnion, written by Lee Winnell and Ian Brennan, with a story by the same two folks and Josh C. Waller, starring Elijah Wood again, Rain Wilson, Allison Pill, Jack McBrayer, Nassim Pedrad, Jorge Garcia, and Lee Winnell. He's putting himself in his movies again. And apparently, I don't know if I just misread this, I didn't look into it, executive producer Hayden Christensen? Yeah, right? (laughs) Sure, okay. Why not? (laughs) What is Cooties about? Group of school children end up getting some sort of disease that turned them into zombies, or a weird version of zombies, and ends up taking over the town. It's like a rage virus. And the only people that are able to survive it are a group of teachers. It is available with subscription to Prime Video with ads on Roku, Voodoo, and Plex. You can rent it for 4 to $6 on most services, $4 being on Apple TV, Amazon, Voodoo, and Redbox. You can buy it for $10 in most places, but for some reason it's only 5 on Microsoft's Marketplace. Should people watch Cooties? It's not like it's essential. No. You don't need to. Nope. I would say don't avoid it. Yeah, it's not like it's terrible. It's it's just, I think, non-essential is a great term for it, I think. It has moments. Yeah, yeah, it has moments. It's not terribly scary at... Well, it's a like, comedy. Like, ever. But, yes, you, you, you let it go because it's a comedy, but it's also not terribly funny. It's not funny enough. Exactly. And it it, thinks it's a lot funnier than it is. I wrote down, it's obvious the script likes jokes, but it's just not that great at them. So you're saying that it's written by the same guy who wrote Saw and Insidious? Lee Winnell, yes, same guy. Did he ever, was he ever a teacher? I don't know. Because this definitely felt like it was written by a teacher. Somebody who knows what's going on there, yeah. Yeah, somebody who at least has an understanding of what it is to be a teacher, or... Perhaps someone who is friends with someone who is a teacher, you know? Yeah, maybe. I mean, in Insidious, Josh is a teacher. Yeah, is also a teacher. Uh Mm -hmm. It's a good point. Because there are a lot of things in here that definitely, like, felt a little too real. It felt weird. But also, there's a lot of stuff that's like, oh, that's what people think it's like, but that's not real. And... I think it, it, you know, there are moments where it's like, oh, that was funny. But a lot of it is very predictable and all right. Yep. Yeah. Like it throws jokes out there with no concern for is this supported by the rest of the movie in any way? Would the characters actually behave like this? Would this make sense to the viewer out of context or even within context. It just has no concern for context whatsoever. There's a particular moment with Jack McBriar or Briar. I, I, God, I wish I could remember how to pronounce his name. I'll look it up where it's like, he's telling a story about his partner. And then he's like, 
my tennis partner. I'm talking about tennis balls. And then way later, we're supposed to understand that, oh, he's actually in the closet and everyone thinks he's gay, but he never admits to it. But like that was not supported by the script at all. And so it's very bizarre in that way that it just again. I got the joke that he was he was hiding his gayness. I got that though. No, because it, it it carried off as more like a hey, you thought I was talking about balls, but I wasn't. I was talking about tennis balls. Not that I'm in the closet and you all know that I'm gay, but I'm claiming that I'm not because he never claims that he's not gay. Like not once. And then nobody ever asks him. It never comes up. Well, he says, I mean, my tennis partner, my tennis partner. No, but he does it. I mean, my, like he's telling a joke. I mean, my tennis partner. I didn't take it that way. Yeah, it's it. But that's the only reference. And then an hour later, you're supposed to remember that he he's acting like he's not gay. And it's so it's. It's like, that's what I mean when I say it's, it has no concern with how the joke tracks. It just knows kind of the cadence of a joke and it puts it in there, which is surprising because it's not like Lee Winnell is a bad writer. Mm-hmm. Was it only written by him? Him and Ian Brennan. Who's Ian Brennan? Ian Brennan is um, Vice Principal Sims in this movie. And he's the narrator on Glee. He created Glee. Scream Queens. He's a basically a TV show creator. I don't know. I don't know where they went wrong. Something went wrong. Yeah. But like I said, it's not that it's not funny and it's not that it's not entertaining. It's just non-essential. Yeah. Inessential. So you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2014's Cooties. Sorry, didn't see that. Well, maybe you should take in your surroundings more. Yeah. You are so ugly. You look like you got chicken pox. If chicken pox was made out of hemorrhoids, you listening to me? What, are you sick or something? Oh, look, carnage. You can't eat the teachers, man. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. He's not like the others. Please explain to me what's going on. That girl Shelly has cooties. He's right. This is a foodborne virus. The chicken nuggets. The virus is only dangerous if you haven't gone through puberty. Are you kidding me? At three o'clock, the parents will come to pick up their kids. We can signal them for help. Hey! 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 That's Indiana. That's Ohio. It's an epidemic. Let's roll! Remember that suiting up montage in every action film? This is that scene. Are we ready? Ready. 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 I'm gay. Oh, I knew it. Let's play some dodgeball! Nap time, mother. All right, Kelsey, can you get us started? How does Cooties begin? With a really gross segment showing us how chicken nuggets are made. Yeah, pretty gruesome. And if you ever wanted to quit meat, watch this. <laughs> it is effective. Oh, yeah. It stays with you. And totally unnecessary. Like, they figure out in the movie what's happening, and that's fine. That's good enough. 
Like, they don't do anything with this opening segment other than just gross you out. True. True. And there is a recall on those nuggets, and one of them, it's not really shown where it comes from. It's just one of them has this, like, gross oozing stuff in it. Yeah, uh-huh. And that one that gets bit will start an epidemic. Yeah. So we meet our main character. Clint. Played by Elijah Wood. Whose name is Clint for one reason and one reason only. So they can do a visual gag about his name. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really unnecessary. Like a Clint wouldn't already know this. Don't yeah. write your name in all caps, dude. <laughs> but also... I feel like if you take the time to make an L with two strokes, you would make the I with the three. Well, th that's the only way to do a capital L. You can do a capital I without the top and bottom bars, but just don't write your name in all caps, man. Yeah. Come on. How do you not know that by now? It's dumb. But so he is a writer and I guess his mom wakes him up and... He asks her for feedback on his book, and she basically tells him it's boring, slow, insulting, and incomprehensible. Uh-huh. But I loved it. Yeah. And she says that the characters are unlikable. Uh-huh. And for some reason, he's still writing it. Like, he has a manuscript. Then when we see him in the car, he's dictating, and he's dictating chapter one. The boat was evil, but- I think he's starting a new thing, because he she just told him that her his last one was shit. But that's not, like, he keeps talking about how precious his manuscript is, which never fucking comes up, by the way. It's never in any danger, and he never uses it for anything. He never has to give it up in order to save people. Like, it's a Chekhov's manuscript that does not pay off. So, like, is that Kiel the Mall, or isn't it? So, I don't think it really matters. I think we're just supposed to understand that he's a struggling writer. The problem with this movie is that none of it is very... It's it, it, Everything is just for a joke. Yeah. None of this feels important. It just feels like everything is... This is lining up for a joke later. Uh-huh. Yep. And it feels like a movie that knows that movies do certain things, but it has no idea why. And so when it forgets them or it doesn't stick the landing or, you know, like that hap that happens throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. And this is a weird movie because you don't like really anybody. That's what I'm saying. I, my next note is anyone in this movie likable. You don't like the kids. You don't like the adults. I mean, you kind of feel sorry for Clint. You kind of feel sorry for him. But he's also kind of a pompous jerk. Yeah. You kind of like the main chick, but she's also kind of a bitch. Yep. She's probably the most likable one in the movie, though. Yes. Then there are the two kids that do and say absolutely nothing. Oh, like the kids who are smart? The kids, no, there's, the kids who one aren't infected. Kid, there's one smart kid, and then there's one kid who is immune, which you think they're going to do something with that, but they don't. They don't. This is what I'm saying. Like, the kids don't do anything. They don't contribute in any way. Mm-hmm. But so he is a sub for summer school, which is interesting. But so he is there for the first time. And it's bizarre how they seem to know so much about school. But like, there's just a coffee maker and everyone's making coffee and sharing coffee. I've never worked at a school like that. Uh-huh. You either brought your own. Uh-huh. Or you didn't have any. I, it, that was interesting. There also is a policy where 
the principal takes, takes your phone. The phone. There's no way in hell that would fly. There, well, first of all, we're actually not <laughs> allowed to take phones. Yeah. We're not supposed to. We do because we're not going to do anything with them. That's the thing. Like, that's what the precaution is for, is, like, what are you going to do to my cell phone? Mm -hmm. We're not going to do anything to it. We just don't want the kids to fucking use them. Uh -huh. And parents, if you would just not let your kid take their phone to school, then we'd be all okay. Mm -hmm. We got through... A very long time without needing cell phones at school. My generation was the one when people started having them. But if I needed to get a hold of somebody, I could. There was no problem getting a hold of somebody. Yeah. So he claims that, well, if we're going to take them from the kids, then we have to take them from ourselves. No. Bullshit. No. That is completely not allowed, completely illegal, and he could get sued so far up the well, ass. Well, he's the vice principal. And the principal... Do we, is on summer vacation. Is she? Yeah. Or he? I don't know. Whoever it is, yeah. he, he says where they are. Uh -huh. Also, when he goes for that coffee, he uses a random person's mug. That's so gross. <laughs> no, the, um, the, mug the vice principal tells him to use the principal's mug because they're on vacation or whatever. And he uh -oh. asks Nassim Padrad where it might be. And she's like, do uh -oh. I look like I would care where that bitch's mug or some, whatever it is that she says? Hi there. Um, you know which one of these is Mrs. Kenner's? Buddy, I don't know what that bitch drinks out of. Here's what I do know. I know that this is a rape button. It emits a shit-crazy alarm that'll inform local police who arrive within two minutes should you decide to get touchy and or feely. You wanna know why I have a rape button? Don't answer, I want to tell you. Because the government of the state of Illinois doesn't trust the citizenry enough to pass safe, sensible conceal and carry laws. Okay. Yeah, and she has, like, a rape button that you think is going to do something. It yeah. doesn't. There's a whole moment where they introduce this thing, another Chekhov's item, that just never comes back. No, they use it, but when? it doesn't do anything. When do they use it? She pushes it at some point, and it, like, hurts everybody's ears for a second, and then oh, it's, I like, gone. I don't remember that at all. It doesn't do anything to the plot. See, he it's not like everything needs to have a plot function, but... Something does. Stop introducing things that have nothing to do with the plot. He also, the price principal also makes the claim that I will lock those kids out there. And you think that's going to come up later? It doesn't, because he's just going to get ripped to shreds uh -huh. the second he leaves the school. He's a completely unimportant character, and the only reason he's important here is because he takes away their cell phones. Yes. And they will be destroyed, and they won't be able to use them. Because somebody's cell phone will ring, and one? then a kid destroys it. One? Something. I don't remember. We are introduced to the guy f who wrote this, the guy from Insidious and Saw. Lee Winnell, yeah. And I thought the whole time, I was like, he looks so familiar, but he has such a weird haircut uh -huh. that I did not figure out that it was him. We're introduced to him first by, like, he's reading a book about holding a conversation or whatever. He's obviously very socially awkward. We find out later that's because he had a spike in his head. <laughs> I learned all about the brain when I had a six-inch spike lodged in my skull as a child, which is the reason why you may have noticed that sometimes when I'm talking, I use the wrong rowboat. Word. Word. And uh, he has brain damage, but yeah, he's... He's a pretty likable character, too. Yes, he is likable, but he is annoying. Yeah. Just constantly telling Nassim Padrad to shut up 
or to please be quiet or whatever. And she's not saying anything. Yes. It's weird. Well, it's kind of a funny joke. I like that one. I guess. I don't know. I think it's kind of annoying. They they also make a big deal that the one teacher is super religious, but that doesn't come to fruition at all. The teacher with the rape button. Oh, yeah. The fact that she's super religious says nothing, does nothing to the plot. There is this character, this boy, who is being depicted as the school bully. He uses curse words. He's been held back a grade, which they can't do anymore. So I don't know what that's about. Well, different districts and different states have different rules. So he's in Clint's class and he's an asshole to him right from the get-go. And he doesn't ever send him up to the office for some reason. He's just like, oh, I'll say that you touched me. And it's like, he just said that in front of all these kids. Yeah. So you have all this backup to prove that it didn't fucking happen. Just uh-huh. send him up to the office. It's very strange. But he doesn't. Oh, also, sorry, I skipped this. We meet... Allison Pill. Allison Pill, the chick from Scott Pilgrim, the the girl drummer, <laughs> who originally dated Scott Pilgrim. Anyway... She and Clint, I don't know if they used to, like, date in high school. They used to know each other in high school. Something. And then Clint went off to become a fancy writer in New York. Yes, and she stayed and became a teacher. And she is now dating the gym teacher, the guy from The Office. Rain Wilson, yeah. And (laughs) Clint's like, wow, that guy is kind of a dick. And she's like, oh, that's my boyfriend. It's kind of a cool exchange. I kind of like that exchange. It's a funny moment. Yeah. There are moments, guys. There Uh are moments, for sure. But so this kid, like, explains that, like, I don't have to give a shit about school. I'm just going to join the Marines, which felt very real. Yeah, and then he uses some offensive terminology. Feels very, very real. Feels very real. But he has been bullying this girl who was the one who ate the chicken nugget, which is weird because chicken nuggets would be a lunch thing they would eat, but she ate it in the morning. Yeah. I don't know. But so she ate this thing and it's infected her and she looks all nasty and they were bullying her for it. And he pulls one of her pigtails and her scalp comes off just like in the faculty faculty. when he touches her, her head and her scalp comes off. And so she bites him. And, oh, the kid's name is Patriot, by the way. Again, felt very real. Yes. (laughs) He goes up to the nurse's office who is like, "Uh, this kid needs to go to the hospital. Something is wrong with him. And they ask, like, shouldn't we send the the girl up to the office? And he goes, are you kidding? I want to give her a high five. Yeah. uh So he doesn't send her up to the nurse's office or anything. So nobody inspects her. So that kid gets another kid infected, and that kid ends up running around scratching people on purpose to infect it, which is odd. It's Patriot's friend. He's also a bully. Right. It's odd, though, because it's like they're aware of what they're doing. So it's almost like... Oh, yeah. It knows. It's not trying to attack or hurt anybody. It's just scratching them one by one. So it's infecting them on purpose, Mm -hmm. which is a little weird. Mm -hmm. It's not what you think of when you think of zombies. No. And it starts to turn them much faster. Yeah. Which is classic, a classic zombie trope. It's in every zombie movie where it takes forever for somebody to transition. And then once one person is transitioned, every subsequent transition will take two seconds. Mm-hmm. 
We haven't mentioned this awesome druggy character. Jorge Garcia from Lost, yeah. Yes. He's the crossing guard. He's a lot of fun throughout the film. He does some mushrooms, and he spends 90% of the movie in the van thinking that he's hallucinating what he's seeing. Well, he contacts the vice principal when he starts to see the kids in the Uh yard. And he's like, um... Your students are possibly eating meat, or uh-huh. Mr. Peterson. Vice Principal Sims. Yeah, you're go for Sims. I'm under some medication for a medical condition, so I may not be seeing things correctly. But I'm pretty sure I might be seeing some of your students possibly eating Mr. Peterson. Yeah, like, who would do shrooms in the middle of a work day? Are right. you kidding? In the, his amazing eagle van. Very... Which which also kind of doesn't pay off. There's one moment at the end where he, he just shows them. up. But not really, because it's not him that gets any credit for it. We barely even see that it's him. It's just, this movie is 90% set up and, like, 10% payoff. Everything is a setup and nothing is a payoff. The vice principal goes outside and is immediately, like we said, eaten. Eaten, yeah. When finally the gym teacher, who's the guy who's dating Allison Pill, finally sees what's going on because he hasn't been paying attention at all, which Uh again feels very real. He has been paying attention to what he thinks is Clint flirting with his girlfriend. Flirting with his girlfriend. making her smile. Mm -hmm. That's what he's worried about. Yes, but when he finally sees what happens, he's like, uh, so I get it. We've all wanted to do that for a long time, <laughs> but a line has been crossed. I'd back off if I was you. I was an all-state football champion. Y'all are a bunch of kids. Look, we've all wanted to do that to Vice Principal Sims, okay? I know I have. But a, a line has been crossed. <laughs> You can't eat the teachers, man. I thought that was yes, very funny. there are very good moments in this movie, which is why we didn't say av- avoid it. And then he does like a football run uh-huh. to the school, which was fun. He has this whole Al Bundy thing about all of his high school achievements. Yes. And so they've called the cops and the cops show up, but it's just one dude. It's Badger from Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Yeah. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm just like Batman. I'm just here to check on you all. And they end up, like, biting off his fingers. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so they're running rampant, and they infiltrate the school. And suddenly there's this random chick, and they even comment on it. Who's that lady? And it was just so that there was a there was fodder for them. Yeah. And, like, I like that they pointed it out, but at the same time, it was cheap. Yeah. They're hanging a lantern on it. This is when they come across Calvin, one of the very few kids who hasn't been turned because he was studying for a test. At this point, he's explaining, oh, it's because that girl had cooties. Yes, that's what he does. He introduces the concept of cooties. Yes. At one point, some teacher says, I blame rap music for what's going on. I think that's Lee Winnell. It's fun. But yes, he explains that she had cooties. She has a virus. And... I think it's the science teacher who learns that it's, like, 
virus and he's looking at these people and I think he's the one that says the joke, oh, I guess she's gone to commit murder somewhere else. Or is that the gay teacher? The joke that he will sneak around like a hobbit, Clint Will, is made. Very on the nose. Very on the nose. I'm sure it was just ad-libbed. And everyone thought it was so funny. You carry on with your symphony of death. I'll sneak around the school where there aren't any kids. Oh, you sneak around, huh? Sneak around like a little hobbit. No way, I'm taking the fight to them like a fucking orc. But yeah, that's because he's trying to come up with a, a thing that's different from what the gym teacher comes up with. Because nobody can really come up with a good plan here. I wrote down I enjoy the druggie again, so there must be some other joke with him here. Yeah. I wrote down weird, disgusting hand joke. Oh, because, yeah, it's really low rent. It's something that would come out of like an 80s or 90s spoof movie where we find out that Clint's been scratched. And so they're worried about him being infected. So he gets tossed into the equipment room in the science lab or whatever. And Lee Winnell goes in there to inspect it. And he says, I I inspected his vomit and his diarrhea or whatever and yeah no it's just like a flu oh. or whatever and they're like oh my god you put your hands in that and he's like don't worry I was wearing gloves and then hands come up and they're covered in gross stuff and it's like no you're not wearing gloves that's that's the joke that's the joke that's the joke okay yeah all right movie yeah I will say that once it gets to the violence the bad humor gets funnier <laughs> Because it's like the tone is locked in now. Like, the tone aligns. The problem is, is some of the jokes with the tone of the rest of the movie just did not fit. Or it was something that I wasn't into. And then as soon as it got to the the violence and, like, kids ripping off limbs, which I feel like this movie is making fun of zombie moments, that suddenly these zombies can now rip off limbs when humans couldn't do that. It's kind of making fun of that. But, like, yeah, all that humor around the violence is actually... Kind of funny, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm liking this movie more. Well, I guess, but then they have this little sequence where they've turned the playground into like a, like imagine you're at Not Scary Farm, and you're at a schoolhouse maze. Uh-huh. There are tether ball courts with heads, and there yeah. are sure, you know, all that stuff. It's like, who's doing the set decoration here? Yeah, I wrote in down. In real life. I wrote down, someone had fun coming up with a creepy playground, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't work with the plot at all. It just, they just really, they had this idea, you know? I'm sure you all know what I mean when I say, like, you get these images in your head. Oh, man, that'd be such a cool shot. If you ever wanted to make films, uh-huh. you know, like, oh, that would be a really cool shot, you know, walking through this and you'd hear this type of music, you know, everybody has had those thoughts. Yep. And this was clearly one of them and they kept it in there, even though it doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh-huh. It just looked cool. At one point, the, te- the parents finally start to show up to pick the kids up. Pick up her child racer. Yeah. <laughs> and this kid gets in. And immediately kills oh the baby. Oh my god, kills his baby. His baby sibling. And, and you're the, like, holy shit. And then the baby kills the mom. Yeah, and it's like, oh, that's... Okay. So children can live with it, adults cannot. Well, adults get killed. If they get infected, they get sick. But that's all that happens to them. They're basically immune. Which is why when there's another girl, 
that's there with them. So there's Calvin who hasn't been attacked. And there's this girl who's been scratched on her back and they figure out, oh, it's because she has achieved menses. Oh. <laughs> and she's now an adult. Mm-hmm. And so if you're an adult, you just get sick. You don't get turned, but you will get ripped to shreds. At one point, they have to like kill a kid in the library or something. And Calvin goes, that kid always used to cheat on me. <laughs> cheat off me. And that's when the guy's like, why is his blood black? I must do an autopsy. And yeah, and pulls out his brain and the brain's all necrotic. Before this, I thought for sure there was going to be a way that they were going to turn all these kids back. But no, it's a point of no return. All these kids can now die freely. We don't need to have that on our conscience. Yeah, which and we is can a just good have thing fun because they've it. been killing a lot of kids. Yeah, but now we can just have fun with it. Yes. At one point, the druggie sees a giraffe, which goes nowhere. Yep. The gym teacher ends up breaking up with Allison Pill, explaining that, you know, clearly you want to be with him and he can offer you things that I can't, which is funny because at that point, he, she doesn't know yet that he is just a teacher yeah. in New York. Yeah, that that whole, that love triangle is a little convoluted. It's complex in a way that felt maybe a little bit real. It it made the Rain Wilson character much more layered, I felt, which he could have used, which was good. But what ultimately happened? Allison Pill and Clint are going to be together. Are they? Yeah. Because Rain Wilson comes back. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be together. Maybe. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a little bit like, what's the term I'm looking for? Clumsy. But... Not in a way that upsets me or anything, because real life is clumsy when it comes to these sorts of things. But it's like, okay, well, where's it going now? Where, what's the status now? Like, it's it's almost like they just, after they have these sort of clumsy moments, they just forget it was ever a thing. Mm, a little bit. At some point, there's a funny joke where the science teacher guy is talking to one of the kids and he's like, I gave you an A. I'm a little disappointed in you yeah. for not knowing something. Menses, what menses oh, is. Oh, what menses is. Yeah. Uh -huh. that, was, that was pretty funny. Tamara? Yeah? Have you achieved menses? Uh, what? Uh, this, no, he's asking you if you've had your period yet. Um, I really don't want to say. You wear a bra, right? Yeah. Thank you. Gave you an A in sex ed, Tamara. Little disappointed you don't know what menses are. Why is sex ed always taught by the creepiest teacher? Clint, quiet, please. And that, it was right at that point that he did some sort of gesture that I realized who he was as an actor. Mm -hmm. Something he had done in other It's films. when he had presented his theory about, about how adults can't get infected. That, like, I was like, oh my god, it's that actor! And I was like, oh my god, I hate his haircut. <laughs> It's supposed to be a bad haircut. Yes. At some point, they think they're all going to die, and that's when he admits, I haven't even been published yet. That's when Allison Pill tells him, tells the gym teacher, I can't get married to you. Because mm -hmm. he admit, because he said, I had thought about marrying you. But ends up that they're okay. It ends up being just the janitor who has, like, kung fu skills. Yeah, Mr. Hitachi, which is, like... I don't know. Is this a little racist? <laughs> Maybe. He has Kung Fu skills. People can't understand him. He tells fables. 
you know, oh, about the frog and the caterpillar, which has a pretty good punchline, I gotta say. Does it? Now it's time for the frog to fuck the caterpillar. Oh, <laughs> true. Hitachi, you ready? Yes, Hitachi ready to die. My father told me story once. Story of frog and caterpillar. Story goes, it was winter, and frog is sitting on snow-covered branch. The frog looked and saw the caterpillar and asked Okay, him, this story's taking way too long. Let's play some dodgeball! Now, Hitachi. Now the time for the frog to fuck the caterpillar! Whatever, Hitachi. Calvin goes into a state of diabetic shock or something like that. Yeah, so they need to get a candy bar for him. Mm-hmm, so they have to, yeah, now they need to find sugar. So they go through the air conditioning ducts, and while they're at it, see if they can find a phone, which doesn't really work. They do get the candy bar. Everyone is, like, charged up and energized to live, you know? Well... There are a few funny jokes before they get to that candy bar. Uh, at one point, the gay teacher is, like, pacing or something, and the guy who wrote it says, he paces like that at night, and he's like, wait a minute, why do you know that? And, like, they never come back to it. I don't remember that at all. It's this random weird little joke. This makes me so nervous. <laughs> he paces like this late at night when he's on the phone, too. That's ridiculous. How do you know that? At one point, there's, like, a child that stares at them through the get grate that's been infected. And I wrote down, this movie just had a list of shots that they really yep. wanted in here. Uh-huh. Like, that's gotta be in there. Find a way to get it in. Yep. When he goes to the candy machine, his dollar won't work. Because you knew it wasn't going to. But then it ends up working right at the moment. Uh-huh. Right at the right moment. Because a kid ends up running in there. The objective at this point is to get out and get to Rain Wilson's truck, which should be able to carry all of them. Also, did you notice that the sound would sometimes go out? Like, it would be really bad and Mm. echoey? I hadn't noticed, no. I did. I noticed that there were just random moments where it was like, why do their voices sound super far away? Like, the mic isn't picking them up well. No, I hadn't noticed. But you're probably right. At one point, they are sitting around and talking, and he explains that he was teaching in New York, and that it's creepy that he missed her after 15 years, but he did. Uh He's been teaching first grade for two years. He had hoped that he would write in his free time, and he explains there is no free time. Turns out there is no free time. Very real. (laughs) Teaching is the hardest job in the world. Uh And I'm like, was he a teacher? I wonder if he was a teacher before he became a writer. Like Lee Winnell? He wanted one to of the be other a writers? writer. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I thought I would have free time to write on, on my free time, but as it turns out, there is no free time. <laughs> Teaching's the hardest job in the world. I want to know why my brother-in-law makes ten times what I do. You know what he does for a living? He makes giant foam fingers for football games. Like you tell people you're a teacher and they look at you like, oh, you must have wanted to do something else and you couldn't get anything going. It's like, fuck you, man. I'm raising your kids. I love my job. Teachers deserve respect. Ian Brennan did create Glee. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's all about school. Mm-hmm. So, I Isn't don't know. Isn't that main teacher, like, he doesn't he hate being a teacher I, when he first shows up? I've never seen Glee. I've seen, like, the first couple episodes, like, many, many moons ago. So I think that's kind of how it starts. So maybe he was. 
That would make sense. Or at least he has a healthy respect for teachers. I think Clint has an idea at some point. Maybe it has something to do with drugs. There's a joke. Look, drugs. And at one point, one of them gives like oh, a all the drugs. Speech. Yes, it's all the drugs that the kids are on, all the Ritalin and shit like that. Oh yes, and it knocks them out. They use that to get out. Yes, and they give like a harrowing speech. This is that scene in that movie, uh-huh. and we're gonna do it as they're getting ready to go. The joke that Chris hates. Oh, the Jack McBrayer admitting that he's gay. And Nassim Pedrad's like, I knew it! Now are we ready? Ready! 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 I'm gay! Oh, I fucking knew it! That wasn't a going concern. There was <laughs> one joke at the very beginning of the movie, which is unclear what the purpose of that joke was. Like, you guys are better writers than this. So they're on their way to the playground, and before they go out there, I think this is when Allison Pill says, Clint, take me to Subway sometime. Which I yeah. thought was funny, because I love Subway. <laughs> I think this is when the gym teacher, like, sacrifices himself does, yeah. and says, take care of her. He tosses the keys to his truck to Elijah Wood and says to take care of her. And so they drive away, but and there as ends far up- as we know, Wade is dead. Yes. But there ends up being one of the kids in the back of the truck. And they, they run on- that kid up. And they're running on empty of uh, gas. Which is also not really that big of- Like, they stop, and you're like- Oh, man, they're on empty. They're going to be stuck. And then there's going to be some sort of thing. Like, no, they're just like, oh, man, we're out of gas. And then they just pull into a town. (laughs) I guess that's true. They end up hitting on the brakes to get the kid off of them. Yeah. Which is fun. They end up ramming him, which is also fun because it's the kid that you didn't like the whole time. Yeah. And they the the place where they live is Fort Chicken or something like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's the place where all this chicken stems from. And Wade has a chicken on his truck, and that's what gets right into this kid's head when they ram him. Mm-hmm. The science teacher believes that he can make a vaccine. Yeah. Where do they end up? They end up at, like, a roller rink or... It's like a bounce house place. Yeah, like it's, a discovery zone or yeah, something. It's a, it's a kid's birthday thing. And, and there are kids everywhere. Again, it's almost like there's a Thunderdome. Again, another one of those scenes that they were just like, this has got to be in the film. Yeah. So Get they're just going to the be here inexplicably. Mm-hmm. And just when they think they're all surrounded by all these kids because they've stumbled upon this kid heaven, in comes the van, Jorge Garcia's Out van. Out nowhere. And Jorge Garcia and Wade are there. And Wade's like, oh, I'm really tough. You think that could stop me or and whatever? The oh, Hitachi. There this too. is where he gives his line about the caterpillar fucking the frog or the other way around or whatever. And yeah. and, and Wade says, whatever, Hitachi. <laughs> and they end up lighting them all on fire. Nap time, motherfuckers. And it's great. And that's kind of the end of the movie. They even there's a line as they're driving away. And he sees the fire in his sunglasses. Oh, yes. There's that moment where Wade gets that moment where you get the fire in the sunglasses, which we just talked about last week. In King Kong. Yep. But there's like a line or something. They're talking and you're just like, where are we going? It's someplace kids don't want to go. Wade, how did you find us? I always know where to find my dual reel. My dual dual reel. My dual reel. Credits. Yeah, I wrote down, what a weird ending. So what what just happened? It's a very chopped up movie. Yeah. I mean, the movie's only an hour and a half long. Yeah. I think it got chopped up. An hour and a half is probably exactly as long as it should have been. Yes. 
It shouldn't have been any longer. But somebody didn't know what they were doing in the editing room. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, uh, okay, Kelsey. What do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm sure, it's way higher than it should be. Like a 63? 45. Oh. A horror comedy without enough of either. Cooties is fatally content to skate by on its intriguingly oddball premise. Yeah. It bums me out because I feel like if they just did a couple more passes on this, a couple more drafts, mm -hmm. shown it to a couple more people, like, this had a lot of potential, and it's a bummer that this is what we got. An okay movie. It was a rushed, chopped... Yeah. Mess. Like, if they spent a little bit more time and effort into it, this could have been a great movie. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of potential, but it just ended up being okay. Mm-hmm. A 49 on Metacritic. Do you think 45 and 49 are overrated or underrated? Maybe just slightly underrated. What would you give it? i give it a 54. Yeah. 54 is pretty good. I'll... <sighs> I'll give it a, I'll give it a straight 55. Why do you think 54? It's not god awful. It's not. And there are moments that did make me laugh. There are just a lot of baffling choices. Yeah, and it's just, at the end of the day, it didn't really tell an interesting story. I wonder if this is a movie for people that aren't that interested in horror. You know how you have we have a friends who ask us all the time, well, what should we watch? What should we watch? And really, they just want a stupid movie. You know, they don't want like serious horror. Maybe that's what this is for. Yeah, this is definitely a put it on in the background and yeah. drink with your friends type of movie. But certainly only funny to teachers and people that really like zombie movies. Right. But it's fun to or violently job, attack children. Yeah, maybe a job where you work with kids. <laughs> if you have a job that you work with kids, this might Are be Are you nice. a school crossing guard on shrooms? Yes. I wish they did more with him. Yes, he was great. And Every then time the, oh, he was on screen, I was happy. The post-credit sequence. Oh, yeah. It's just Hitachi just like sitting there like eating a candy bar or something. And that's it. Or an apple, I think. Or Yeah, maybe it's an apple or something. He's just munching on something. And that's the... Like, did they leave Hitachi behind? And then that's just him having survived it all? Or I don't know. or what? It, it's a lot of that. <laughs> so yeah, 55. It's a movie that had a lot of promise. I, I mentioned how maybe it's a movie for people that don't like horror movies, but I mean Lee Winnell saw and Insidious and The Invisible Man. He does major horror movies. So I don't know. I don't know. I figured there'd be more horror insight in this than there was. And it turned out there's just some teacher insight. Yes. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that is 2014's Cooties. Thank you very much, Jeffrey, for sorry, recommending Jeff. these. No, sorry. not sorry. I was okay on Cooties. I was okay. And, of course, the faculty is great. Oh, my God. I love the faculty. So thank you for the recommendations, Jeffrey. Really appreciate it. What are we watching next week, Kelsey? We are continuing into the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Oh, yeah, kid. We're moving into a Nightmare on Elm Street 4 Dream Master. Oh, yes. Right? We're getting, it's we're Dream getting, Master. Yes. It's, no, it's the Dream 
It's Dream Master, then Dream Child, right? I think so. Okay. Either way, we're getting into the really bad nightmare movies. And I am very excited for the really bad nightmare movies. And, oh boy, they get pretty terrible. (laughs) This is the first one that I I was alive when it it came out. (laughs) Oh, really? Yes. If I remember correctly, this does a sort of... The Nightmare franchise does a sort of reverse Star Trek franchise where all the odds are better than all the evens. Whereas in Star Trek, all the evens are better than the odds. So, like, one is good. Dream Warriors is good. Does that mean that Dream Child's good, too? I don't know. We'll have to come I back to it. I feel like four is slightly better than five. And five is slightly better than six, but anything is better than six. Is that uh, Freddy's dead? That's the final nightmare. Yeah, Freddy's dead. Final nightmare. And then it's seven, which is great. New nightmare, mm-hmm. which is so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the concept. It's made by Wes Craven. Like it, it's it's going back to the people that love it, not just being made to be made. At the very least, it does have one of the worst Freddy masks, though, in the entire franchise. I hate it. Yes. Anyway, we're not doing that one. We're doing Dream Master. Yes. Which is part four. So very excited about that. And? Before I Wake, which is another horror movie about nightmares. Do you know anything about it? It is very possible that I have seen it and do not remember it, if that gives you any indication. Okay. Oh, man, we're in for a treat next week then, I guess. (laughs) That is next week. Until then, you can find us at our website, podcemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Pod Cemetery, where we post a bunch of extra stuff, so don't forget to do that. Subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice. A rate and a review there is a big help to us. A five-star written review is the best thing you can do for us there. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Let's get the fuck out of here. I was the, did I ever tell you? Did I ever talk about this on the podcast? I was a stage manager in our town. I'm sure you have. I was in an actual, like, real theater production of of our town. Like, it wasn't a school production or anything like that. And yeah, the idea is it's like a sort of behind-the-scenes look at this small town, but it's also a play production, which is why your main character and your narrator is a stage manager. So just black boxes and stuff is all you get. Yes. Are you hitting on me, Casey? Do you remember this scene? No, but I agree with you based on your description. Oh, yeah, kid.